Welcome everybody to episode 94 of the Second Is For Everyone podcast. This is going to be Las Vegas Shot Show uh, Rewind or I don't know, something like that. As you can hear, my voice is jacked up because not only did I uh, do a lot of work in Vegas, I actually left Vegas with Shot Show Crud. Um, (laughs) I kind of avoided the first two times, maybe, but, uh, this time I didn't get so lucky. Uh, came down with something while I was there, probably had something to do with standing out a range day, uh, when it was, uh, in the thirties, uh, with 30 mile an hour winds and rain. Uh, I had on a sweatshirt or t-shirt and uh, I think that was about it. So... Let's go ahead and kick this off. I'm going to have legislation come up later, obviously, but let's go into SHOT Show. I'm going to break it down by the day. Uh, You guys helped fund me getting there, so I'll go ahead and talk about what I did. Um, It's going to be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Each section is going to be labeled uh, with what we did because there was a lot of things going on. Um, There was (laughs) the business of SHOT uh, starting on Tuesday when you're at the show. And then there were the parties afterwards, which pretty much I used as an opportunity to network. Uh, If if guys don't know me, um, most of the parties or shoot every party, um, the alcohol was free, but I don't drink in public. And truthfully, I consider myself working at SHOT Show. So there was no alcohol consumed by me. And I tell people that not because I want to go look at me, look at me, but I mean, 100%, I feel um, I'm working when I'm out there because Las Vegas actually does nothing for me. Drinking does nothing for me in public. I mean, I'll chill and have one drink at home, but as far as going out and partying, not me, dude. I'm past that. I passed that before most of you guys are born. But anyway, let's roll in the shot. I flew in on a set uh, on a Sunday, um, which was really cool. Uh, the airport blew right through; was no big deal. Uh, everything turned out well. Uh, might be my planning was a little off because, truthfully, I should have driven my car to Philly and just flown directly out of Philadelphia um, because it would have been cheaper than taking an Uber, probably. Uh, what else? All right, so boom, we get the shot. We get to. Uh, <laughs> I get to uh, the show, oh, excuse me, Vegas, and um, get off the plane and run into cool people on the plane because there's also at the same time a shot is the construction convention called World of Concrete going on. So pretty much everybody flying out was either going to shot or World of Concrete. So that was pretty cool. Um, I get to Vegas, uh, wait on my bags. They come through, no problem. One of the things that I've done is just buy uh, some brightly colored ribbon and tied it around the handles, like, you know, double, triple knotted it or whatever, just so it's like a loud color and is on the handle of both my bags. So the minute they come out, I can see them. So it doesn't look, you know, it is not black like everybody else's. I mean, it may be black, but it has this distinctive ribbon on it. So it was easy for me to spot my bags coming off the carousel. Because pretty much everybody's bags look alike. Uh, When you go to SHOT Show, uh, the NSSF has um, actual badge pickup at the Las Vegas airport. 
And uh, I was able to pick up my badge and everything right there, which is really cool. I uh, ran into Scott uh, from SWAT, which is a uh, gun store FFL here in Jersey. Real cool dude. Uh, we spoke uh, at the carousel and then he left. And uh, I caught a cab to uh, Fries and Pies. Fries and Pies is a, is a poutine place that makes uh, poutine-covered french fries um, and also pizzas. And that was a place I went. It was right beside my hotel when I first went in 2020. And I walked in the door and I asked the guys uh, behind the counter, Hey, man, give me uh, whatever it is you think is your best dish that you would definitely have somebody talking about, you know, like, like, what would you give me putting your best foot forward so I could talk about your place for the next two years? And uh, they hooked me up with some biscuits and gravy fries, biscuits and gravy, French fries. So it was actually a Southern biscuit, white gravy with, with sausage, um, I think they might have had bacon. It had all kinds of stuff on it on top of an order of fries uh, with poutine, which is cheese. But it's a Canadian dish. Um, people from Wisconsin kind of know about the cheese curds. It's kind of like that. Anyway, it was delicious, right? So that was in 2020, 2023. I took an Uber directly there from the airport because I wanted to check out what they had. And uh, the brother who was there in 2020 was there in 2023. And I asked him the exact same thing. He was like, well, we don't do the biscuits and gravy anymore. But he was like, our number one seller, cheesesteak fries. I might do it to it. So uh, he hit me off with the cheesesteak fries. And if you go into Google Maps, I did a review on it. Uh, Check out the food review on uh fries and pies because yeah I'm, I'm doing google food reviews because i can't remember every place i go or everything i do but i figure if i write it down um i'll remember it and one way to write it down and have it like be on front street because google reminds you of everywhere you've been uh, i was able to actually do a review on it it was awesome it was better in my opinion and this is going to seem sacrilegious to some people it was better in my opinion than the cheesesteaks i've had in philly And I've had them both at Pat's and Zeno's. And these fries were actually (laughs) better, a better cheesesteak than both of those places. Yeah, sorry, but I didn't grow up with it, so I don't have a bias. Those places, in my mind, are overrated. So after I finished up there, I was like, where do I go? After I had lunch, I'm like, where the heck do I go to hang out until our Airbnb opens up? Because this year we had an Airbnb. It looked like it was in a decent neighborhood. But again, I arrived at noon. Now it's like 1 o'clock, 1.30. What do I do for the next few hours? Well, across the street was uh, the Virgin Resort Hotel. So I walked across the street, uh, pulled my bags into the lounge. Uh, They had a bar there. I asked the guy, could we smoke in the lounge? He was like, yeah. I pulled out a cigar, uh, bought a Diet Coke, and chilled out. And all of a sudden, Scott from SWAT showed up because that was his hotel. He was like, dude, why didn't you tell me you were coming this way? We could have, you know, he said, I rented a car. Well, hey, this or that. Anyway, we chilled out. 
And I hung out with him and we BS until it was four o'clock. And then I caught a cab to the Airbnb, which was awesome. Uh, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you saw a video of it. And uh, <clears throat> that's what I did. Uh, I went to the Airbnb. I unpacked because while I was at the Virgin, uh, Rob Pincus contacted me and said, hey, I'm buying drinks over at uh, the Mirage uh, to celebrate the PD-10 being released this week. Why don't you come over? So that's exactly what I did. So I took an Uber from uh, our Airbnb and I went over and see uh, Rob at the Mirage. And that was really awesome because it was him. It was uh, John McClain from uh, Rock Island Armory. Yeah, I know, same name. Uh, and uh, Mike Sedini from Walk the Talk America. And then Amy showed up, stealing stilettos. Uh, that's the name of her company. She's a firearms instructor, really fun lady. Uh, if you guys follow me on, uh, Simon says train on Instagram, you can see videos and pictures. Cause I tried to post stuff every day so you could follow what I was doing. Because again, you guys paid for this and, uh, I, I, I want you to live the experience or at least the highlights with me. And, uh, Matt showed up, Matt Mallory, and he showed up with Andrew and Patrick Collins from gun food. And uh, Dave, also from Meet the Presser. Oh, Matt Mallory is from Meet the Pressers, too. He's the own ad personality. But Dave and Andrew were working the cameras and recording and uh, working with him. And uh, we had some fun, man. I mean, <clears throat> you know, just BSing, talking. And then while we were there, uh, Kevin Dixie had a cigar party at Caesars. So we walked from <laughs> the Mirage to Caesars and uh, hung out there. And I met, uh, ran into all the guys from We Like Shooting, Sean, uh, <laughs> Sean, Nick, and uh, Aaron, along with uh, Sean's fiance, Angel. And then I met regular gun guy uh, from YouTube, him and his lovely wife. Uh, Yoki, I think that's her name. She's a firearms reviewer, her and her husband, uh, boomstick babe. I mean, it was just a lot of people there that, you know, from different channels. Uh, that was really cool. I met the new host, the AR 15 podcast on the firearms radio network. So all that was going on Sunday, uh, hung out there for a while because I smoked a cigar at the bar with, uh, I smoked a cigar at the bar with uh, Rob Pincus. I smoked a cigar at uh, Virgin Hotels. Now I'm in a cigar bar and I was like, dude, I am not smoking three cigars in like what? I don't know. It had to be like five hours, but I'm I'm like, nah, that's not how I want to step into Vegas, coughing up a lung. Little did I know that's how I was going to leave Vegas. So I might as well have let up there. But it was really cool meeting all these people. And, um, it was, it was a fun way to start, uh, uh, shot show, especially when I was going in dreading the work I was going to be doing, uh, thinking it was just going to be a heck of a lot of walking, a lot of people smiling in your face saying, yes, they'd help you through the year, but then not doing a darn thing. So that's not actually the way it turned out. Um, I turned out walking into the very fun part of going to these conventions, going to these uh, types of events. And it was just a networking and meeting new people. And, and that was really great. So that's what I got to do. 
and uh, I, I was happy about it. And then after we left, I uh, tagged along with Sean and the guys from We Like Shooting, and we went to In-N-Out Burger. Talking about a place that is overrated. Look, In-N-Out Burger, for them, uh, and I'd like to thank Sean for buying dinner, but for the amount of money a double cheeseburger and fries cost with a Coke, it wasn't bad, by the way, especially for Vegas prices. I think it was 10 bucks, which is the same, about maybe a dollar more than you'd pay at Burger King or McDonald's, at least in Jersey. So uh, I'm not even that upset, but for as much as people talk about In-N-Out Burger, you'd think it'd be some glorious, tasty burger. Look, dude, if you know how to cook, if you know how to sear two patties and put them on a friggin' bun with lettuce and tomato... That's in and out burger. Like every, oh my God, I have to stop and get there and get animal fries and blah, blah, blah. It's fried onions, bro. It's fried onions on a burger. With Thousand Island dressing. I mean, stop. Is somebody that grew up in the middle of the country in Virginia and you never really think you'd go to these places? Hey, if you get to one, go and go to in and out burger and check it out. I mean one time and then you determine whether it's all that or not but uh if you do it sober it's just another burger i mean if if you're caught up in the hype of i can't believe i'm in vegas and you're drunk off your butt i guess maybe it's the most delicious scrumdillyumptious thing you ever had and i ain't even talking down about it because i've eaten there like four times because i'm like well maybe it was that in and out burger or maybe it was that in and out burger that wasn't that great. No, 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 not four of them. I've had I've had the same thing at four of them. And it's a good burger, but it's nothing that I'm going to be talking about till I go to my grave. But since people talk about it so much, yeah, try it out. You get out there, try it out. It should be one of those things you check out because that's one of them, you know. Okay, cool. I went there. I ate a hamburger. But I'm one of those dudes that ain't impressed because once I learned how to cook and once I got a good a cast iron pan, you can make a, a burger just as good as In-N-Out Burger at home. So that <clears throat> that was my night. Uh, I did a whole crap ton of walking because that's what happens uh, in Vegas when you walk from one place to another. And I, I didn't think it hit me like like. Again, as somebody that grew up in the middle of the country, bro, in, 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 in the middle of nowhere, and I'm in Vegas, and I'm going to these places like the Virgin Resorts, um, I'm at the Mirage, I'm at the Caesars. Dude, I grew up hearing these names, and now here I am casually going to parties hosted by friends of mine at these places. It still didn't hit me because it was like, you know, plane flying, a whole bunch of stuff. But I tell you, I'll go ahead and say it now because I'm thinking about it. Ended up going to a USCCA party. I think it was Wednesday night or maybe Thursday. I forget which one. But I ended up going to their party and we took an Uber and we pulled around to the front of the place. And there's a place again called Paris. And there's a giant Eiffel Tower. It was the lights. It was the whole Vegas thing slammed into me. And it was really like, what the hell? How did I get here? 
Like, how did I go from the kid reading the Mac Bolin books, the G.I. Joe comics, the Punisher War Journal, and, and knowing, like, every gun on TV, reading old Soldier of Fortunes from the 70s until the pages fell out? How did I end up in Vegas at the industry's largest freaking, at the firearm industry's largest event? Dude, it was so humbling. And it's so cool. And it happens to me every now and again. Thank you for allowing me to be there. And thank you for supporting the work I do and allowing me to actually have that experience. My voice is getting bad. So, um, yeah, so I finished up having um, (laughs) finished up having. Uh, dinner with these guys at like 11 o'clock at night. And then I got back and uh, all of my guys were in uh, because everybody else was coming in into Vegas later. So I turned on all the lights in the uh, Airbnb so they could find their way around and wouldn't break their neck. And when I got back, they were all in and uh, we hung out for a little bit and crashed and went to sleep. Um, But because, you know, Everything ended at like, I mean, by midnight, we were all in bed <clears throat> and uh, had a seven o'clock wake up to start day one in Vegas, Monday morning uh, for media day at the range. So um, I'm going to come back in another segment <clears throat> and hopefully uh, my voice will sound better because I'm going to drink something hot <laughs> and uh, come right back tell you about range day hey everybody uh welcome to the shot show review (laughs) or my shot show rundown whatever you want to call us i don't even remember but look we're in the legislation right now mainly because this is the uh first week february i'm popping this thing out tomorrow sunday the 5th and uh, I want to get some uh, in three wins we had during the first week of February in the Second Amendment community. First one I want to talk about is in the fifth, uh, fifth district. Is that what it's called? Anyway, the federal judge in Texas, federal judge in Texas shot down a law, said it was unconstitutional that a person who is charged with domestic violence, can take have their Second Amendment rights taken away. Again, didn't say convicted, charged with it, because it's ridiculous. Just because someone can charge you with a crime, you have not had your day in court. How are you being punished as if you've committed a crime? And there's, there's a couple, now I've listened to people go, oh my God, what about, you know, <clears throat> the lady who is being uh, abused by her spouse, whatever, a uh, significant other? You're allowing him to have a firearm. Okay, Let, let's do a couple of things. You haven't done a dang thing when you give somebody a restraining order. A restraining order is a piece of paper. It's not a force field. It's not instant justice. They aren't cops uh, patrolling your parking lot to keep your boyfriend, ex, 
husband, whatever, away from you. Whoever you have restraining order against or whoever you charge with domestic violence, again, it's a piece of paper. It's a charge. Doesn't stop them from running over you with a car. Doesn't stop them from stabbing you with a knife. Doesn't start stop them from beating you to death with a gun. Excuse me, <laughs> with a bat. Jeez. <clears throat> Whole bunch of stuff's popping in my head right now. Because I've been listening to reading tweets. And uh, if you are on Twitter, God help you. Uh, if you're not on Twitter, just avoid it. Because it seems uh, the stupidest people in the world also are allowed to give their opinion Regardless of fact, regardless of the fact that you can look some of the things up that you have questions about in less time than it takes you to make an ignorant tweet, but they won't do it. Anyway, what I'm saying is this, <clears throat> just because you have a restraining order against someone or you've they've been charged with domestic violence doesn't mean you're safe. Uh, if they voluntarily give up their firearm, because that's what you have to hope they do, um, especially if their firearm itself isn't registered with the state. So how would uh, law enforcement know they have a firearm other than depending on them to come in and turn in their gun? <clears throat> so really, it, it was a feel good law that only would be in, be enforced by somebody who voluntarily came in, turned the firearms in, or the police go to their house and toss their house. But again, they've never been convicted of anything. So you weren't safe. You just felt safe. Guess what? What this does is actually make people safer from false charges. If let's say there's a lady out there who has an abusive husband and she has firearms because she believes in self-defense. But her dude likes whipping her butt. And she finally was strong enough to get away from him, toss him out of the house, whatever. He's out now. All he has to do is say, hey, she was abusive to me. And she hit me. And she threatened me with her gun. Same thing, the red flag laws. So now police come to her house, take her firearm away. And now she's defenseless against a dude that's actually a threat. I don't know if people don't have a life experience or, or just don't think things through, or maybe they only listen to news in their own echo chamber. But regardless of that, this is a good thing because it was unconstitutional. So that got shut down. And that's like Texas, Louisiana, uh, the states down there. Okay. <clears throat> Another case. I'm going to bring it up. And this one's from Oklahoma. This one is again a federal uh, federal case, and it was a marijuana user had his second. He was charged, got picked up. He had a he had a uh, handgun, and he had <laughs> I love this marijuana cigarettes. So he was charged, and the federal uh, government said that you know he broke federal law because he was a habitual user of marijuana. Well, the uh, I guess a uh, guy that was charged, uh, I was going to say criminal, but yeah, I guess he was charged with a crime. Uh, he said that violates his Second Amendment rights, violates Bruin. And the federal government was saying that in we the people, the people only means law abiding citizen. And the judge was like, that's ridiculous because in our everyday life, someone breaks the law. 
if you speed one mile an hour over the speed limit, you're breaking the law. And they said, <clears throat> and the federal government was saying that virtual virtuous people don't break the law. So the Second Amendment only covers vir virtuous citizens. That's the angle a lot of the anti-gun people are taking. That's that whole, we need to look at your uh, social media posts to determine whether you're a good person. This is, this is the angle anti-gunners are now taking, and that's how they're going to try. That's one of the many ways they're going to try to push to remove your Second Amendment rights by saying you're not a virtuous person because you're breaking the law or you've broken the law. So, <clears throat> again, people talk about slippery slopes. That's not even a slippery slope. This is actually a shove off a cliff. So you can't fall for it because things sound reasonable until you look at it through the eyes of someone that will do anything and use any means necessary to take away your Second Amendment rights. So that was an Oklahoma case. Uh, and again, this is on the federal level. So that that's another win for us in the Second Amendment community. Uh, and it's not about the marijuana use. It's about the fact that they're going to say you're not virtuous because somehow you broke a law. And again, it doesn't. And this is about taking your right to possess a firearm away. And again, I think it was a marijuana cigarette or a couple of marijuanas. I forgot what it was, but it wasn't enough. It was personal use levels and it wasn't distribution level. So it's not as if they caught a drug kingpin with a handgun. They caught a regular dude who had some weed. But if the guy would have had, you know, a case of Jack Daniels, that would have been fine because drinking is legal. But marijuana isn't on a federal level. All right. Now, <clears throat> actually, I said I said three cases, but it's four, four different things. Uh, two things happened in Jersey. One is the firearms restraining we got a we got a restraining order, I guess you'd call that that, on uh, some of the places in New Jersey that the new huh, uh, carry bill that the governor signed that said you couldn't carry in your car, you couldn't carry uh, in a bar, you couldn't carry. I was going to try to rhyme some stuff, but uh, a lot of the places they said you can't carry a firearm. Well, now you can because the judge put it on hold. So I think that was really good. That was a win on our part because pretty much it's going to show you how this case is going to go uh, with all the restrictions uh, the state decided to put on uh, your ability to carry. They are going to lose and they're going to lose big in court. And uh, so now all of a sudden, yes, you can carry in your car again. If you have a carry permit in Jersey, you can legally carry in your car before you would have to every time you got went to go into your car, even though you had a carry permit in the state of New Jersey, you'd have to again, outside or in your garage or something, take your gun off and lock it up according to Jersey law, which is, uh, you know, the firearm itself is empty and uh, the magazine and the rounds are in another case or another closed container. And then when you get to wherever you want, you again, go in your trunk, retrieve your firearm, load your firearm and go do what you're going to do in the places that, well, you can't really carry a gun because they made everywhere a restricted place 
It, it's like they are breaking the law so badly the judge saw through it immediately and put a halt to some of it. Some of it doesn't make sense still. You can't carry in a zoo. Um, I have no idea what that... Uh, they said um, her reasoning was she thought you couldn't carry in a zoo anyway. <sighs> so obviously this judge is not a Second Amendment absolutist, but uh, she she knows bullcrap when she sees it and she called it out. So that was one case. And the other one is... <clears throat> The state lost the case against uh, being able to sue a firearms manufacturer. So the attorney general, Gawald, when he was here, uh, tried to sue um, firearms manufacturers because of uh, (laughs) they tried to connect it to like uh, advertising because that's that's one of the moves. Oh, they advertised to children or they advertised uh, incorrectly. Listen. Judges aren't going to fall for this unless they're actually just trying to dictate law and and policy from the bench. Again, you have the right to own a firearm and the company has a right to be able to make a product. But if somebody uses the product incorrectly or commits a crime with their product, it is not the company's fault. And for people not to understand that really means either they're stuck in their echo chamber and will not listen to anyone else, or they've never heard uh, anyone go, so tell me, the person that shot up the place, the mass shooter, did you sue the company that made his clothes? Because if they hadn't have sold him clothes, If he would have left the house, he would have gotten arrested for indecent exposure before he got to wherever he was going. If he wouldn't have owned a car, he would have had to walk to wherever he was going. If his house didn't have a doorknob, he wouldn't have been able to get out of it. I mean, when does the lawsuit stop if every product the person used to get from wherever he had the gun to wherever he committed the crime, was able to be sued out of existence. It's stupid. Judges see through it. And we already have a federal law against those lawsuits. So it was an easy win, but it had to go to court. Understand, many, many, I think all of these cases had to be taken up by Second Amendment advocacy groups and the state had to be sued or the the, uh, lawyers had to be paid. All of this happens because people donate money. We are under attack on a state and local level by billionaires that are trying to shut us down. It is not something. It is not some conspiracy theory when you hear people say that it's 100 percent legit. So that's why it's important for you to donate to your local Second Amendment advocacy groups. They participate in these lawsuits. And if you live in one of those states that doesn't have to worry about stuff like this, there's two things you can do. One, donate to places like New Jersey Second Amendment, the New Jersey Second Amendment Society, uh, the people that help us continually, which is CNJFO here in New Jersey. Please look it up and donate to them because uh, they do a lot of good work and they also help us. And also ANJRPC, the New Jersey uh, NRA state organization. 
when you donate to state organizations, they fight in your state and for your state. If you want to help another state out, join and donate to their organizations. Every state welcomes people regardless of where you live. But uh, pay and join those organizations and assist them in their fight in their state. That's how you can do it. And if you don't can't afford to join, hey, you can afford it. If you can or when you can, you can send as little or as much as possible and just donate to them. Dude, you send me 10 bucks. You know how happy I am with 10 bucks because that pays for almost a pizza, you know, uh, at one of my events. So, yeah, diversityshoot.com, my PayPal. I also have Cash App. Um, and and I also have Venmo. So if you want to help me out, do that. I'll post it later. I'll probably do a commercial in it. So I, I give you all those addresses. But, yeah, there have been a lot of wins. The Bruin decision is helping us. The Supreme Court Bruin decision is helping us maintain our civil rights. So it's a fight that's going to have to be fought in every state because anti-gun forces are attacking us in every state. And they're going to lose every single time because they have to show whatever law they're pushing was in effect prior to 1791. And there are none. They're going to lose every time when you have to meet that bar. All right, guys, that's that. Um, out of here for legislation. Uh, on to the next segment. Talk to you soon. This is an interview uh, that happened just because we were having a break. We were taking a break at SHOT Show, Rusty and myself. And we ended up sitting beside this Canadian gentleman we saw from his name tag. So we got into a discussion and he was very, very well well versed on Canada's assault weapons ban. And we had a conversation with him and Rusty had his recorder going and caught the very beginning, which is the first 30 seconds that you miss on this. The first 30 seconds is him actually talking about they were doing, they were going to do a $2 billion firearms registration in Canada. And when Canadians found out how much it was going to cost, uh, the politicians and political party that were pushing it uh, lost the election and another political party came in. But he just talks about the slippery slope that happened. After that, when the new political party came in and what they did. So it's going to take up right there. And that's what he's talking about in this segment. Please stick around because it's seven minutes or a little more than seven minutes of pretty much foreshadowing of what will happen in America. Or what the plan is for America and what will happen if Americans don't fight back. So please enjoy this. There's a lot of background noise only because that's the hum of background noise at a show as large as SHOT Show. I hope you enjoy it. ...to that program and promising to take it out of action if they were elected. And sure enough, uh, they were... Uh, elected several years later, they gained power and they scrubbed the entire thing. So we're hopeful 
that that can be repeated because now we have uh, that same government that instituted universal firearms registration instituting a whole bunch of other firearms um, prohibitions. So including a freeze on handgun ownership uh, and uh, wanting to institute a uh, ban and a buyback, which is actually forced confiscation, on um, what they call assault weapons or assault-style weapons, which of course means any semi-automatic firearm with a detachable magazine. So like the 1022s that they just did? Yeah, yeah. The, the rim fires would be okay. So we're talking center fires with a detachable magazine, uh, whether it's uh, semi-automatic, it has to be semi-automatic, uh, whether it's rifle or shotgun, doesn't matter. They, they want to classify them all as assault weapons and confiscate everything. Uh, they're, they're saying they will pay for guns, um, but they've been talking about it for two years now, and they don't, pardon me, two and a half years, and they don't even have a plan on how to do the buyback or the confiscation yet. A number of the provinces have told them we're not participating, and our law enforcement agencies are receiving directions from the province not to uh, participate in the buyback or in the confiscation because they have other really serious crime problems to deal with rather than seizing sporting and hunting guns from licensed law-abiding gun owners. Yeah, how, how does the gun law work if someone, say, breaks into your house and you use your firearm to defend yourself? Is that something that you can be punished for? Uh, it, it depends. We do have uh, the provision for self-defense being allowed in Canada. That is uh, okay. The um, ramifications for uh, a citizen defending himself with a firearm depends very much on the circumstances, uh, on the law enforcement agency that is investigating, and even on the uh, prosecutor who is uh, looking after the case. Some of them are, are really good and they understand and uh, they will give the person the legitimate pass that is deserved in a lot of these cases. And others just don't seem to care if you use the gun, you get charged with uh, the use of the firearm in, in whatever way. Now, do y'all have like a law that states uh, how your, hand, your, your firearms have to be stored, like a, your rifle or shotguns in one safe, your ammunition locked in another safe, or can you store them Per se loaded, like say you live in the in bear country, can you store your firearms loaded in your safe or your ammunition in no, your safe? They always have to be unloaded. Uh, if if you live in um, an area where there's predators, then you can store them uh, at least one that is readily accessible, right? but it still has to be unloaded. And uh, for the typical gun owner in Canada. Firearms need to be locked up, uh, at least uh, rifles and shotguns, uh, and it's just a matter of a security so or safe storage. So there isn't any standard as long as they are uh, behind a lock of some kind. Another, uh, you know, legitimate option is taking a bolt out, for example, and storing it under a lock and, 
and the gun is then disabled, so, and that's okay. Handguns, um, we're still allowed to own handguns, but uh, a new uh, restriction that just dropped several months ago by, again, our, our unfriendly uh, government that's in power is a handgun freeze. So all handguns uh, market is now frozen. Uh, if I own a bunch of handguns, then I can't uh, buy anymore, and I can't sell or transfer the ones I do own to anybody else. The way it stands right now, I can export them, have them destroyed, or own them until I die, and then the government gets them. And they're all registered with the government, correct? Yes, handguns are all registered. They are. Do, does Canada or your province does individual provinces have like a law for being able to carry, like a permit carry system where you can carry your handgun to protect yourself through there? Uh, right, there is uh, some provision for that. There is even in, written in the law a provision for carrying firearms for defense against other people. So you have to make application for it and you can get a concealed carry license. Um, last year we did a freedom of information request and uh, in Canada, there was one person that uh, had that license. Uh, wow. Nobody else uh, was given permission to carry that license. One person. We don't know who it is. We don't know what the circumstances were. So is one of the provisions a justifiable need? Is that one of the things? Something like that, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Demonstrable need, right? So that's, that's defense against people. Now, defense against animals is more common. Of course, we have uh, you know, lots of wilderness areas and people who operate in those areas. And uh, there it is possible uh, to get a permit to carry a handgun uh, in the wilderness area. Loaded on your hip in a holster, you know, there's restrictions uh, on how it's transported there. But once you're working in the bush, whether you're a timber cruiser or a prospector or a trapper, then uh, there's allowances for that. For the typical hunter, um, or even a hiker, like a recreational hiker, not a chance. You will never get that person. Same woods, same, same animals, same yep, woods. Exactly. Yeah. It's only for professionals working in the wilderness. It's, it's it. kind of like they're uh, bias or stereotyping or or something uh, that that group. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You have anything else, Tony? No, uh, it, it's just frustrating because yeah. I live with kind of the same thing in New Jersey. And uh, when we talk to people about what can happen, they don't, oh, no, it can't. And I'm like, yes, it can, oh, and yeah. quickly. <laughs> and then you have to figure out how to undo it. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. thank you very much, uh, lady, for uh, talking to us. <laughs> <laughs> Unknown Canadian un professional. Un unknown Canadian uh, gun model. Yeah. And uh, we really appreciate yeah. it. And we, it's, it's a Canadian hand model, what we have right yes. here. Yes, yes, so. yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, All thank right. you. That was very informative. Uh, All right, we got to be serious with this because we're on a show, okay? And I'm not supposed to interrupt you and talk over you, right? Yeah, don't no, interrupt No, I'll never me. interrupt you. Yeah, okay. Not at all. And never. I'm going to put on no, my, my radio your, voice. Your shoe, yeah. No problem. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh-huh. Uh, <coughs> hey, I'm here with Zeke Stout. We are at SHOT Show, and uh, I have done zero preparations for this because Zeke is my friend, so I figured whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about. 
So, Zeke Stout, everybody. Thank you for not mentioning that I have a gun to your gut right now. You know. I ain't scared of that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I've been trying to get on this show for, what, uh, eight years? Yes. Yeah, so, something like that. Something like that. And then I get, like, excuses like, yeah, I haven't done the show in, like, three years. And then I go and look, and no, there's episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay, though, because I love you. All right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm not editing anything. Good. At all. Yeah. No edits. You shouldn't. All right. Yeah. At all. How's it been? It's been going. We've been busy, man. Yeah. Uh, Interviews and stuff is happening, and it's really cool. Uh, right now, both of us are waiting to go on Shot TV yep. here at uh, the Shot Show. So yeah. it should be fun. Yeah. Um, if they let me. If they let you. You're right. But I'm like, hey, this guy owns a gun school. Yeah. You gotta have him on. Exactly. Shot TV. Exactly. So you want to tell us about that? or? Yeah. So uh, MGS Trade School, we're a distance learning gunsmithing college. So basically, the student enrolls in our school. If you want to enroll, go to mgs.edu. Do you like that? I like um, that. Didn't even notice it. Right, exactly. So they, they enroll in the school, and we send out the hands-on projects. So the advanced course is just seven uh, hands-on projects, all our curriculum. You'll learn that all online. Uh, and then once you finish those projects, you send them back in, and we grade them. So the biggest thing people hear about correspondence, they're like, oh, well, you, you can't learn gunsmithing online. Well, you still get the hands-on with us. We still get those projects. Now we've just launched the Advanced 2 program, and what that is, it's all those same hands-on projects from Advanced 1, but now you get to choose a build at the end. And right now we've got an AR-15, uh, a Glock-style striker fire build through Lone Wolf, okay. and then we've got a muzzle loader through Traditions, which is like the old Kentucky American yep. long rifle uh, muzzle loader build. And they're really cool builds, and you learn a lot from them, and that's kind of like your final project in the Advanced 2 program. And then on top of that, Advanced 2, I always wanted to, because I've been in the education space with gunsmithing before, I've always wanted to have, like if you become an auto diesel mechanic, right? You graduate from UTI, UTI or any of these places, you've got a palette of tools to go start your career. Well, I've worked with companies before where the student's like, great, I got great education, cool, I built an AR-15. How do I start a business with an AR-15? Yeah. You know, and, and I'm like, I feel like we have a responsibility as an education entity to have them prepared to start their career. So now we added another, I think it's $1,600 worth of tools that they get at the end of the program as part of a graduation package. Um, so it's a really cool program. A lot of people are really liking it. We've, We've been getting tons of feedback from people who have gone into the industry as gunsmiths that are being that are very successful. So, yeah, it's cool. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, because that's the transition. Congratulations, you graduated. Uh, yeah. Because uh, my regular career, which people know, is a locksmith. And they right. were like, oh, did you go to locksmithing school? <laughs> I'm like, no, because you leave locksmithing school, you still have to get a job. Yeah, exactly. And you still have to be able to perform and make those the work. Yep. I mean... So, yeah, great. You got a lock pick kit, bro, but um, we do a lot more in pick locks. So <laughs> It's one of those good-for-you moments. Yeah, so, I mean, if you know how to work, how do you build that? Yeah, I, I built an AR. Yeah. What, what do you mean you built an AR? Because I've I, I built an AR with yeah. a screwdriver, a pair of vice grips, yep. and, a, and a roll of duct tape. Yep. I actually did that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and I took, <laughs> I, I took a picture of it. It's not really building. It's just yeah. assembling. But yeah, exactly. Somebody was like, what did you do with that? I'm like, I, I put together my AR. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> but um, that's cool, dude. So, now I know, does it take GI Bill? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. we are VA approved. 
um, so you can use your VA benefits and all that stuff. So yeah, you just need to talk to your VA rep or whoever it is you talk to. If you're active duty, of course, you talk to education oh, people. I've no idea because I went to college That's while the I was in. That's official term, education people. Edu- education people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because when I did mine, I mean, I went to school uh, yep. on base. Yeah. So I, this is forever ago, though. There's yep. no correspondence. Yep. I mean, it was literally correspondence. You would <laughs> write and send it in. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's cool, dude. So yeah. you can go online. Yep. What's the website again? That's mgs.edu. And you can go there and you can just hit the request more info button. If you if you know you want to do it, there's also an enroll now button. So you can do either one. Request more info. Our admissions people call. You can have a conversation with them. Ask them any questions you need to know about the program. They'll walk you through it. So it's all online. It's all distance learning. There is yep. no, okay, so yep. you have all no brick and mortar nope. place. Nope. All right. That's kind of I awesome. mean, we have our offices, but it's, there's no, no classroom. But I mean, I mean, no. But we're at the space now with yeah. technology that well, kind of. And you get the question all the time: How how do you learn gunsmithing online? Harvard is teaching yeah. surgery classes online. Jesus. If 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 someone that's that high level education can teach something that that is that important online, then we can teach gunsmithing online, which is just as important. Yeah. So. I mean, it's crazy though, man. Yeah, it is. And then, I mean, to get in the because people are like, how do you get in the gunsmithing? And right. It's like, well, you have to know something first of all. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, you guys going to provide tools too? Yep. Because that. Yep. I mean, again, coming from locksmithing. Yep. Because understand, there's a base word there, smithing, oh, yeah. and how it became. It's right. a history. Yeah. Um, it was usually apprentice stuff. Like yep. you went and lived with a locksmith and did the work. So it's a skill set that you have to pick up. And without those tools, if you come to my job, I still have to provide tools and then right. figure out if you know how to do anything. Right. So if you roll in the door with tools yep. and you've built stuff, yep. especially a project gun. Now, as somebody who's in a different industry, but uh-huh. the same thing, you took, you went to your school, right. you know the basics, you don't sure. know how I do stuff, but it gives you a, a, a leg up yep. on somebody who goes, well, I've built like four ARs. Well, sure. one, you, you've put... ARs together. It's right. called assembling. There's you, a difference. You did Legos for adults. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, and how long did it take you and how efficient yeah. were you? So right. I think it's awesome that you give people an opportunity yep. for a career, especially as a veteran. I wish I would have known about something like this and done something like this because I went to work directly for my family after I got out sure. in the locksmithing thing. Right. But I was always a gun dude. So yeah. it would have been cool to be able after work to go on and just learn this other skill set. Because you can do work for your friends. Yeah. And you can start off. I mean, I know a lot of locksmiths start off as trunk slammers. They do sure. the work out of the trunk or out of their vehicle. Absolutely. And you do work for your friends as a gunsmith, and you can make a little bit of money yep. to buy parts, to keep swapping out on your ARs, because that's what 100%. everybody does. Yeah. But, um, hey, man, I'm glad you came on. I'm glad yeah. to have you on for this. Absolutely. Um, you want to do something with me after this or something oh, like that? Absolutely. All right, then. Damn, this is short, bro. <laughs> no, we'll do a full one sometime. Okay. Soon. Yeah, so I just, this is a shot show episode of The Interview with Zeke. Yeah, MGS.edu. <laughs> we got all day. You didn't have to do that. All right. Uh, it'll be another segment or something. I have no idea how I'm going to put the shot show episode together, but Zeke's pulling out bags and sex toys, so I'm going to have to get back to you guys. <laughs> this might get real uncomfortable. All right, we're going to talk about range data happened Monday. I'm going to talk about the different manufacturers. We're going to start 
<clears throat> with um, we're just gonna do one segment with the manufacturer because I tried this another way and it just went too long. So you can skip stuff if you want to. So let's start with Desert Tech. That was one of the first ones we started with on Monday at Range Day. Now, Desert Tech has something called a Trek 22. That was one of the standout things they had. So that's going to be the one I talk about for Desert Tech. It's a bullpup chassis. That means... um it, it's a clamshell chassis. You take your Ruger 1022 out of a stock and you just place that Ruger 1022 action and barrel all in one piece inside this chassis system, which is like a clamshell. It just, you know, there's left half and the right half and you just place this in the chassis and uh, all of a sudden, boom, it's a totally new feeling rifle. Uh, now, a bullpup is when the trigger is in front of the action in the chamber. And this turns your Ruger 1022 from like a 32 to 36 inch rifle into like a 26 inch rifle. Makes it really short. Uh, it's really slim lined. It has Picatinny rail along the top. And I think some on the bottom too. And it has M-lock accessories at the 6 and the 9 o'clock on the rail. So that allows you to put an optic uh, put lasers, put lights, put anything you want on this this small 22. But I think one of the smartest moves is to keep it streamlined, uh, to have like nothing on it except maybe a red dot. Uh, the person that had this one is actually an employee of uh, Desert Tech, and he had his set up with only a red dot. He said what he does is carries it with him when he goes on uh, hunts for deer and other animals, but he uses that when like it's really slow or to take out things like squirrels and rabbit because it's just such a lightweight firearm at this point because all it is is the barreled action. And I mean, it's just, it's taken to a minimal. Uh, Desert Tech advertises it as like a hiking or survival rifle. I think it's pretty cool. They also has uh, a space in the stock uh, where it on the right hand side where it holds uh, two 10 round Ruger magazines. And then of course you can put any kind of Ruger uh, mag into the regular magazine well. Uh, this I've seen it with BX-25 mags, BS-15 mags. It was really interesting. It also has a flat face trigger, which, which they says reduced trigger pull. I didn't really find all of that. Um, I shot this particular one, and we had multiple hangups within the 10 rounds where it failed to eject and even failed to feed. I have a Ruger 1022 that's in a high tower armory chassis and it ran and runs with no problem, but it's set up differently. It's set up kind of for entertainment, but you can also use it for the exact same thing uh, as this particular one, but you have less rail space. And again, it's set up to be like a fun range plinking gun. This Trek 22 seems to be set up more for survival and hiking and, and things like that. But again, this particular one had issues. It belonged personally to the employee, one of the employees of desert tech. 
and he said he takes it out all the time, but it wasn't doing so well at Range Day. But Range Day also had a lot of wind blowing and a lot of sand whipping around. The winds were blowing at like 30 miles an hour out there. And um, Desert Tech and many of the other uh, manufacturers had berms on both sides and in front. That sand was just blowing off and blowing into the actions of firearms. Some worked better than others. So we talked about the Desert Tech Trek 22 on our show maybe a month ago. And this gave me time to check it out. I found it interesting. Uh, Desert Tech also has like a quadruple feed uh, <laughs> AR-15 magazine with a lower that goes with it. I find that very interesting. So there were some different things out there, Desert Tech, and uh, definitely worth checking out their product line. They're a very innovative company, and some of the stuff, I wonder why it's there, but again, innovation is innovation. And um, I enjoyed Desert Tech. I enjoyed stopping at their, their, what do you call it, their port, their area at Range Day. Uh, real friendly people, very informative about the stuff they brought to the event. That's it for Desert Tech. On to the next product. <sighs> All right, Range Day, Alpha Foxtrot. So I looked up Alpha Foxtrot after I got home because, truthfully, never remember he hearing of them prior. Well, Alpha Foxtrot is out of Georgia, and... Uh, they make ARs, 1911s, and even a version of an aluminum frame Glock. But the product I want to talk about is two of them, actually. It's the AF1911S15. So, they make a, like, three-and-a-half-inch barrel 1911 that takes Glock 43, Glock 48 mags. And that's kind of cool in and of itself that you make a 1911. Uh, you know, with the grip safety, thumb safety, all of that. But it's the size of a Glock 48. This has no bushing, a bull barrel, awesome DLC coating, which is really shiny and well done. Um, I think the frame is aluminum. Yeah, it's definitely an aluminum frame. But here's the thing. When it takes the Glock 48, like that's a 10 round 9 millimeter magazine Glock mag. But this one comes with the Shield Arms S15 magazines. So now you have something the size of a Glock 48 that take that has 15 plus one magazine capacity because it takes these Shield Arms mags. I was able to shoot this firearm with the Shield Arms mag in it. And I was pretty impressed by the amount of firepower in a small package with a 1911 trigger um it had a uh extended beaver tail so it didn't bite my hand i was surprised that something this small actually fit in my hand it ran i think i ran multiple magazines through this particular one because i tried to videotape everything but i wasn't running the camera the whole time it was between uh, my guys rusty was running the camera for me and also uh the guy from alpha foxtrot so I might have missed some stuff. And Alpha Foxtrot had so many different models that it's easily to get confused because I think we each shot four or five different firearms from Alpha Foxtrot. 
but I was impressed by this particular one, the AF1911 S15. Now, it has pretty high MSRP. I think it was like over $1,000 for this particular firearm. But I thought it was unique, and it was different enough to make me go, hey, this is interesting. And when I shot, I think the first one I shot was the 43 back in the day when it was brand new. It actually hurt to shoot because the profile was so thin. This thing is thinner than most 1911s um, because it doesn't have grip panels on the side. So it, it's very, very thin, but it was very controllable. And again, if you live in a state where you can have over a 10 round magazine, if you can have 15 round mag capacity and you want something unique, this was unique. And I thought it was pretty cool. So that was the Alpha Foxtrot 1911 S15. And they also had an Alpha Foxtrot AFC, which is a Glock 19, aluminum frame Glock 19. I think that's it. Yeah. And uh, that was cool because it was different. It also had a beaver tail on it. And they actually sell the lower. So you can purchase that. And it's like 400 bucks. And you can put your Gen 3 slide on it. They also had two comp models. Now, I looked at the website and the compensated models of, I think it was either four and a half inch or five inch total, uh, both nine millimeter and 45 ACP compensated 1911s. They were slick. They were cool. They were fun to shoot. I think the nine millimeter had some issues. Um, but like I told you in the other section, there's a lot of just grit and sand blowing around. That might have gotten in the fire. Who knows? But uh, a lot of rounds are going down range from the Alpha Foxtrot booth. They weren't really busy because I don't think they're that well known. And like even when you're going through, because I actually looked for uh, videos on them from SHOT Show. And I only found two from very small channels. And one wasn't very descriptive, but I kind of sort of don't blame them because the guys at Alpha Foxtrot were just trying to get people to pull triggers. Like you would have to go in there recording from jump and have them break the guns down. I mean, you'd have to make them slow down. They were going at 100 miles an hour, getting people through their booth. Uh, me and the guys from the firearms, uh, from the Gun and Gear Review podcast got there when it was dead. So the four of us just got to keep switching off and shooting different firearms. And I just thought it was unique. But by then, it was cold. It was in the 40s, raining, and wind was whipping at 30 miles an hour. So you kind of, I, I kind of noticed that a lot of the smaller booths at this thing, uh, not booths, but uh, smaller ports at the range didn't get the coverage they should have gotten because it was really uncomfortable. And most of us have been out of there out there since seven or eight o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> so anyway, I thought it was interesting. I think Alpha Fox tried to something you should keep an eye on. Uh, they used to be lower priced and I think they uh, put out new models and they also raised their prices, but the build quality is amazing with these things. I'd like to find out what their reputation was in the long run. <laughs> But this is one of those things, one of those companies, because it is in America, because they do produce stuff in America. They actually make their firearms in the States, in Georgia. I think it's one of those America companies that you should check out and give a chance. A lot of the guys are Korean. I don't know how the setup went or what's going on, but I still think it's pretty cool because they say it's America made. 
And uh, they also had some AR-15s, but since range day, they've pulled them off the site. So in the last week, they've t- removed the AR-15s off their website. Um, if you guys want me to ask and call them up and find out what's going on, I will. But uh, give me some feedback on what you guys think. I'll be posting videos up. I think I'll post them to my patrons first so they, those guys can see them. And then uh, I'll see if you guys are still interested. So Alpha Foxtrot, something to keep an eye on. Hey guys, <clears throat> back. I got some of my voice back on the way to work. So I'm going to go ahead and run through the Springfield Armory. I decided to write notes on these things. And then obviously I'm driving now so I can read my notes on the Springfield Armory one. But I have to say, I decided to give Springfield Armory a chance. I wanted to stop by. Um, I have a friend that works there, Dustin. I said, what's up with him? Uh, and, uh, I shot the prodigy. Now I'd been talking about this for a while and, uh, wanted to get my hand on it. All right. The prodigy, if you don't know, is a 1911 double stack or what people call a 2011, but 2011, actually it's a, a trademark of staccato. Anyway, double stack, 1911 polymer, lower grip, uh, polymer grip, uh, steel frame, or aluminum frame, I forget which one, but it's a 1911. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, I, I had both. I shot both the five inch and the four and a half inch. One of them wouldn't run because uh, it wouldn't run continually because, again, we're at the range. A uh, whole bunch of sand is actually blowing, especially in that dang Springfield Armory booth, man. I was getting hit in the face with it. Uh, it's actually in videos <laughs> of me just getting pelted with this stuff. So <clears throat> anyway, I started running one of them and uh, it ran. It ran and Dustin kept loading it up. So I was able to actually shoot it more than some people got to shoot um, different guns at, at, at SHOT Show, Media Range Day. And I'm telling you, it was a fun gun to shoot. Uh, now, would I buy it? Because it is $1,500 or more. That's an expensive gun. Um, would I buy the four and a half inch or the five? Probably the four and a half. But I, I really didn't see a huge difference when I was pulling the trigger. Even though one of them didn't run, you know, that consistently. And Dustin pulled it off the line because, understand, you're still dealing with uh, uh, 1911. It's a hundred and something year old technology. Things needs to be lubed. Uh, but I'm running it. I didn't see a huge difference. Maybe I needed more time to see the difference between the five inch and the four and a half. Fun gun to shoot. I didn't like uh, get to shoot it on paper. I was shooting it on steel. I think it might have been at 25, 30 yards. Um, had no problem hitting with it. Trigger was decent. Um, and again, these guns have probably been demo guns for months, or they might have been straight out of the freaking box. You never know because of SHOT Show and so much is going on. So what do I say? I say, if you want to buy a Springfield Armory Prodigy, get a Springfield Armory Prodigy. Um, check it out. There's pros and cons, uh, on everything. But it is less expensive than a staccato, but you aren't getting a staccato. Be aware of that. Uh, <laughs> also, I got to shoot the uh, emissary, I think it was. 
uh, from Springfield Armory. Dang, I really wish I'd have looked that up. But, uh, man, I, I really like 1911s. I'm, I'm jonesing for one. I like the way it felt. I like the way it shot. Um, so I shot the 9mm Prodigy. I think I shot the 45 in, in, in Emissary. I think that was it. I'll have to go back and look at the photos. Uh, Dustin was running my camera for me, so he didn't get a lot of pictures of me shooting uh, uh, the the 1911, like the straight up single stack 1911. But then he loaded the XDM Elite 10 millimeter. Yo, that 10 mil in that light polymer gun had a significant kick that I was not ready for. I don't know if it was full boatload 10 mils, but let me explain something. Man, you got to be ready for this. Uh, now, I do say I, I've only shot one XD, and uh, that was uh, Sandy's, Sandy Muldoon's XD uh, 45 ACP that she runs in competition. So it had a different feel. This thing in 10 millimeter and the XDM Elite, I did not like how it felt slick in my hand when I pulled the trigger on that full uh, recoil in 10 millimeter. Like I felt it move in my hand. And, uh, but I did continually put rounds in it because I, I wanted to shoot a 10 millimeter. And I shot the snot out of that as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I got to shoot a little more than other people, and it was ringing when I when I wasn't flinching like a uh, freaking chihuahua in a thunderstorm. So I have to admit, yeah, if, if I didn't hit the target, that was 100% on me. But uh, it was real interesting, and I was really grateful for Dustin and Springfield Armory allowing me to spend some time over there shooting something. So... Uh, you can check out Springfield Armory's product line. Uh, their guns run. <laughs> and uh, they have a plethora of different firearms. I didn't shoot the Hellion because that was at a totally different booth. And when you're on range day, if you pass a booth, unless you 100% dedicate yourself to getting back to it, there's just so much other stuff out there that you go and check them out because like why wouldn't I go check out a company I've never seen before and now the first time I get to see it is on range day and I get to check out their products so that's what I did uh, kind of wish I would have gotten back to shoot the Hellion it's not like they need me to cover it and there's enough videos out there but I don't see uh, so so I, I did what I did but I, I haven't seen a lot of videos on Alpha Foxtrot new stuff that I talked about in the last segment and I thought that was kind of more important to let people see uh, different things. I mean, I did. Don't act like I'm a genius and I did it on purpose. But uh, so that was the Springfield Armory. And uh, all right, on to the next segment. Hey, we're back. We're talking about Shot Show. We're talking about Range Day. And we're talking about Henry repeating arms. So. Range Day. I go to the Henry booth. Actually, I'm standing in front of the Henry booth and uh, <laughs> running the TJ from Tactical SHT. <laughs> and uh, 
He's like, hey, man, you hit Henry, has a semi-automatic 9mm rifle? I'm like, what? Yeah. So I wasn't that excited about Henry because I didn't know they had a new product launch. So I go check it out. And yes, indeedy, feed the needy, Henry has something out called the Homestead. Homesteader. The Henry Homesteader is a 9mm blowback action semi-automatic carbine that takes Henry's own magazines and then you have an adapter that uh, has it accept Glock magazines or uh, uh, Smith & Wesson M&P mags or SIG P320 magazines. Now, <clears throat> this Henry uh, is not a lever action. Again, it's semi-automatic. Uh, I think I saw you can actually reverse the charging handle from one side to the other. And it also has a Picatinny rail on top. Uh, has a Picatinny rail with a giant peep sight uh, back near the shooter's eye on top of the receiver. So you don't have to deal with any kind of buckhorn type sight. Uh, it has a threaded barrel, <clears throat> wood furniture, walnut furniture. And uh, this one's made out in Wisconsin, too, where the other centerfire uh, Henry rifles are made. But the, uh, the MSRP on it is $9.99, so it'll probably go for 100 or 200 bucks cheaper, maybe, uh, when it get to the store. Uh, and I think I said it already had a threaded barrel, so you can put a suppressor on it because the one they had there... Uh, they had a suppressor, they had a red dot on it, and I was just plinking targets like it's nobody's business, um, because Henry had loaded, um, you know, five-round magazines up, because I think it came with a five, and then, of course, you can just get other mags when you get the adapters, and obviously, if you it takes Glock mags, you can get up to a Glock, what, 32-round Glock mag? It looks really cool. It looks old school. So why in the heck would I want a Henry semi-automatic blowback for almost a thousand dollars when I can get any any AR uh, for the, that much or way less? Because regardless, you won't have a Henry. That's why. It's a fun-looking rifle. It has uh, a regular stock like like a Henry shotgun or a Henry uh, lever-action stock, Monte Carlo type sporting stock. So there's nothing about it screams tactical Timmy outside of the Picatinny rail on on the receipt on top of the receiver that allows you to put an optic on it and um, the threaded barrel. So I think it's really cool. Um, I actually talked to Henry. I'll see if they can allow me to have one and take to the diversity shoots. Why do I like it? One, it's from Henry. It's another quality build. It's pretty cool. Will it sell a lot? I don't know, but the ability to change up to different um, different manufacturers' magazines with an adapter kit, I think, is a great idea. Uh, it allows people you don't have everything you have. Okay, in my opinion, now post Bruin decision, and we have a lot of Second Amendment wins. States are going to continually try to push anti-gun stuff. Anti-gun states are going to try to go more anti-gun. They're going to lose in court, but they got to get there first. So if you have a band-proof rifle, because it doesn't have any of the evil features outside of a uh, possessing a detachable magazine, you're in a lot better position not to have to buy something new. 
And I know a bunch of people out there goes, well, that's not why I buy my guns. Well, that's good for you, princess. Maybe you live in a state that you don't have to worry about that. But I live in Jersey. I have to abide by Jersey laws or I go to prison. So I or oh, you should move out. Yeah, I'm going to move because of the Second Amendment, not all the other stuff wrong. No, no. It looks like a good option for somebody that wants to choose that option. It's good for home defense. It's good for anything you want it for, for nine millimeter. Now, are they going to build other calibers? Don't know. Didn't bother asking because it's brand new. It's outside of Henry's regular wheelhouse. Maybe they did set it up to have an entire line because as a 45, I think it would be awesome because 45 ACP is subpar, 45 loaded hot, excuse me, not subpar, 40 subsonic, 45 ACP, 230 round, uh, 230 grain bullets are subsonic. So putting a suppressor on something like that will probably make it movie quiet and all you hear is the action. Um, having something in 10 millimeter, which is all the made up people's new caliber that they act like they're going to buy every gun in. Uh, that's something some people want and will be an effective hunting cartridge if you got it. So I think there are some good options for Henry. And that is the Henry Homesteader. Uh, I don't even think they showed us anything else while we were in that Henry booth. <laughs> like, I'd have to go back and look at the pictures, but I was so captivated that that's all we shot, me and the guys from the Gun and Gear Review podcast, and that's what I have different photos of. So uh, I, I think it's pretty cool, and I, I hope Henry sells a butt ton of them, and it becomes a, a new moneymaker in the Henry line. So that's the Henry Homesteader. All right, on to the next. All right, one of the most fun things I saw or I had a chance to shoot was over at the Fats and Firearms booth during Media Range Day. And that was their 8.6 Blackout 16-inch bolt-action rifle with a suppressor. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it was so much fun. Okay, what do I like about it? Now, if you guys saw, saw my footage from last year, um... I just enjoyed shooting it. It's a big, fat, 300-grain slow bullet uh, that hits with all kinds of impact. That's a 8.6 blackout. Uh, if you don't know, 8.6 blackout is like, uh, is it 337? Yeah. Diameter bullet. So it, it's, it's made 338, 337, something like that. 338. 338 diameter uh, bullet loaded in a 308 cartridge so it works with magazines that work with ar-10s they work with an ar-10 action they had both the bolt action with a suppressor and they also had a 12 and a half inch uh ar-10 pistol with a built-in suppressor uh, and these things were set up i mean it is like the ultimate hog hunting gun uh, because it provides so much power it has like a one in three inch twist so that means the bullet spins really fast it, it, it turns three entire revolutions within a 12 inch barrel so and they said that's part of the impact uh, uh that's part of the power of the round is because it spins so fast that it hits really hard and uh, it is just to me it's well built um 
and it's just a cool deal. Now, I think it's another one of those calibers that was come up with by the owner of Q. And the reason I bring that up is because last year, uh, they had the bolt action rifle with the suppressor on it, and that's what I shot last year. Well, this year, Faxon has a build that they had, I think it was built on a Remington action, but they have their own rifle now. Now, that's not out right now, but it's coming in its Faxon's version of the Remington 700 action. And they said it's going to be much better than this particular rifle they had at the event. But what else is Faxon going to say? Hey, we, we made something that's not quite as good. So uh, they have a really well done bolt action rifle. And you can check it out on their website. I shot it. It is a lot of fun. It's going to be an expensive round. But the more people that shoot it, the more ammunition uh, producers are going to be uh, that are going to be out there and the cheaper the ammo is going to get. I mean, 5.7 was very, very expensive. And now every major manufacturer except Glock has a 5.7 handgun out. And, and a good number of them have 5.7 carbines out. And now 5.7 is getting put out by different factories, different loads, and you can find it at Walmart. So I don't doubt that this 8.6 Blackout will become more and more popular. And I can't wait till it does. So check out Faxon Firearms 8.6 Blackout Rifles on their website. Um, and man, hopefully one day, you know, somebody brings it to a diversity shoot in a free state and I can shoot it there. Maybe if I get lucky and put out enough uh, forewarning, <clears throat> we can get facts on it, bring it to an event somewhere around the country. We'll see. All right, on to the next product from Range Day 2023. Hey, this is the part of the program where I tell you about the latest raffle to help the second is for everyone in our mission. This particular raffle is being held uh, to raise funds to get me to the February 18th Second Amendment rally in Phoenix, Arizona, working with the uh, Second Amendment organization out there. And what we're doing is giving away an SBA3 tactical arm brace. That's right. With like a little over 100 days left before you the ATF says you have to register these firearms. I'm giving one away in a raffle for $5 per opportunity. So for every $5, you get pretty much a virtual raffle ticket. Um, and then I draw the name and we go ahead and uh, give that away. Uh, that's This is going to be for a week. And I'll be giving this away uh, next Sunday. Today is uh, February 4th. I'll be giving this away, one, two, three, four, on the 11th. So I'll be announcing it on uh, <clears throat> diversity. Uh, actually, I'll be announcing it on all of my social media, and I will contact you. So you can join the raffle by going to PayPal. You can click my PayPal link on diversityshoot.com. And also, I have Venmo, which is Tony Simon 12, or Cash App, which is, of course, dollar sign 2A4E. So in all those things, just type in uh, brace raffle and that'll work for me or just raffle because I can tell by the date which raffle it's for. Actually do the brace raffle thing because I think we're going to be giving away. I know we're going to be giving away a lot of stuff this year and I want to be able to separate who did what for who. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, 
Again, it's $5 per. We're giving the SBA 3 brace away. Uh, please enter. And uh, good luck to you. I'll talk to you next time. And again, there are going to be giveaways or raffles all year long for fundraising. And yes, we're also going to have a raffle for the 501c3 to raise money for that. So all this stuff, hopefully before the end of the year, actually before even the middle of the year, all this stuff will be able to be written off on your taxes as a charitable donation. That's the ultimate goal. All right. Good luck out there. And please give so I can get out to AZ. Back to the show. Hey guys, <clears throat> I'm on the way to uh, Harrisburg, PA right now to the uh, Great American Outdoor Show. I got to meet up with some people, uh, kick off a meeting, and it, it's going to be a thing, man. I can't wait uh, to see people, but um, what I'm trying to do is uh, meet with organizations and businesses that will set up a diversity shoot in Harrisburg. Uh, It was, I came up with the idea, I think, too late in the year uh, to make it work between the holidays at the end of the year and SHOT Show at the beginning of the year and then uh, me getting sick right after SHOT Show, actually during SHOT Show, but it took me out of the loop. So it pushed everything back too late to host a diversity shoot in Harrisburg, of course, this week or next week. But I'm thinking maybe we can have, I'm going to talk to uh, someone or some people and try to have one during the year out here uh, to make it worthwhile. And also I'm uh, wanting to do one next year during the, the Great American Outdoor Show when we have a lot of Uh, firearms companies in the area and may even get them to help sponsor it or at least run ports at it so that's my dream so that's what I'm doing because I'm trying to get diversity shoots across the country try to get other organizations involved in helping hosting these diversity shoots paying for them promoting them on a bigger level because I really feel that most gun owners don't know their local two-way advocacy organizations. Uh, They don't know who to donate to. They don't know what these groups are actually doing for them in the fight. And I definitely know new gun owners don't, especially if they only purchase a firearm for self-defense. They don't know everything about their two-way advocacy and how to fight for it or that there's even a fight on the state level. They might have purchased that firearm in 2020 Um, because the world went crazy and they were nervous 2020 2021 there was a lot out there to get someone thinking Uh, with COVID with the lockdowns with the way the police weren't answering calls with the fact that the news would show you riots and and talk about businesses being broken into or the lawlessness that were allowed or even the felons that were kicked out of jail early because of COVID. So now you have police not coming to calls, especially nonviolent calls. Well, how do you know if the guy who broke into your house is going to be violent or not? It's not like they have it on a t-shirt. So people had figured that they had to protect themselves. Well, those people 
have some ignorance based on the fact that they didn't even think about getting into this. So they have to be educated. But so does the regular gun owner, the veteran gun owner, because maybe they don't know their state Second Amendment organizations. So I would like to use uh, the Second is for Everyone Diversity Shoots as a method to educate people on what's happening locally. And I can do that in multiple states by working with these organizations and hosting events at local ranges. That is the ultimate goal of 2A4E Diversity Shoots. And I also have plans on doing other things like 2A4E competition shoots. Uh, we already did that during the uh, Minuteman Challenge that Sean and I hosted. I uh, actually want to include people in these things. I also want to get people involved in various other aspects of the firearms culture and firearms community. When you purchase a gun for home defense... You might think that's the only time and only way you're going to use this gun, and it goes in the closet. If you take a class, you might, many people don't take any class other than what's required to get uh, maybe a carry permit or a license in their state. Well, there's more you can do uh, with a firearm than just carry it. You can also compete with your handgun. You can compete with your rifle. You can compete with your shotgun. So I want to expose people to those competitions, get them out. We have hundreds of people that come to our event every year. And many of them don't know how much fun it can be to come out on a nice day and shoot some clays, to uh, go to an event, and and shoot a handgun or a rifle competition or a pistol caliber carbine competition and meet a new group of friends, people that have something in common with because of this sport or this activity you're involved in. And it's one of the safest activities out there. I will compare the safety record of any shooting sport against any physical sport. I'll compare the safety record all day and twice on Sunday. So, yeah, we're trying to grow this, and, and this is what this episode, uh, this episode was me going out to SHOT Show to pick up corporate sponsorship to grow the diversity shoot. That was the whole point, network and grow the diversity shoot. I try to make sure that's exactly what we do. I pray to God all the time, and I, I don't know if that turns you off, but it does, well, I, I'm sorry for you, but I'm, I'm a Christian. And um, I pray that I make the right decisions, that I'm not doing this for the wrong decisions. And I ask for guidance to stay humble and work hard to make this work because you're important. Your family's important. Those you love are important and you should be able to protect them. And I want to help you in that mission to protect those you love. Because as a Christian, I love you. You might be a dork or even not a nice person, but as a human being, I feel that (laughs) uh, most of you (laughs) are good people. And some of you that ain't, well, you got to deal with what you got to deal with. But anyway, yeah, I'm on the way to Great American Outdoor Show and I'm just running this uh, because I'm closing this uh, episode out. I want to say this is like my shout outs and final thoughts because this episode is kind of weird. I broke everything down to different firearms companies I reviewed 
uh, excuse me, I checked out on Range Day. I broke that down so you can listen to them in case you miss. You can just skip from one to the other, uh, especially if you listen on Anchor. You can go one to the next. Um, my whole thing is just to make this episode entertaining, but to get it out there. So I'll talk to you guys next time. I'll probably start a new episode up to talk about the Great, Great American Outdoor Show. Not only am I going today, Sunday, February 4th, but I'm also going um, over, the, over the weekend at the end of next week uh, because I want to get a few days in. Uh, I want to talk to some other companies, and I want to hang out with Dave from High Point uh, because that's my dude. Not many people drive for hours, and I've been blessed because actually I have quite a few people drive for hours to actually come to the diversity shoot, and it's awesome. I had the guys from uh, the Gun Experiment come out. That was really cool. And I have people come from New York, Delaware to come to diversity shoots. I appreciate it that you guys drive for hours to participate in this thing. To talk about humbling. Talk about talk about loud. Jeez. Um <laughs> that was a tractor trailer. But uh Alright. I just want to say thank you to all of you who support this work who've donated, who've volunteered, who've told others about the work we do, who shared this podcast. There's a lot. Do you know, at the end of the year, Spotify sends me our uh, uh, analytics, and we're in the top 10% in our category of podcast. We're in the top 10%. I, wow just wow not not of all podcasts just the category of education because that that's what it's in it's really amazing thank you for making this podcast that comes out whenever i do one successful this is the end of the show i just want to say thank you uh, thank you for funding the work that we do. Thank you for believing in me and the, and, and my mission and supporting it and helping it along. And I'm losing my voice again. Have a great day. Until next time, I love you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Reverend Ken Blanchard, Black Man in the Gun Podcast. Check it out.